I think just crossing the line, it was disbelief that I'd actually done it and that I'd won this race. I'd won the World Championships. I'd booked my tickets to, to Paris next year. Um, and it was kind of everything that I really wanted to do at the end of last season, but thought it's such a big ask. And to actually, you know, get the criteria and get the best part of the criteria as well. Like I didn't just finish on the podium, I, I won the race. Welcome back to a new season of the Run Alive podcast. We are so excited for the guests that we have got lined up and we are starting with a brilliant one this week. This week's theme is building the confidence and belief that it takes to conquer the world. It's not been easy, it's been tough and I think it's quite easy for people just to throw the tail in when things get a little bit tough but our guest this week is a newly minted world triathlon champion who, uh, just a handful of years ago, when she made the switch, didn't even own a bike. I just, I like challenging myself. I like setting new targets. And for me, because I was a novice in triathlon, you know, I could see big improvements every week. I mean, even every day. So it was... It was exciting for me because I could take, and I, I'm even excited about next season because, you know, I know my biking is going to get better. Throughout the conversation, our guest comes across as both tough, but perhaps more so confident and secure to take the steps of huge self-belief that it took for her to leave track and field and start a new career as a triathlete. I know I love training. Like I, I could train all day long. I. Love it. I probably love it more than I love racing. I just, I just love it. I've always have. It used to be what my parents would punish me if I was naughty. I would get punished from training. Um, so like, I, I love it. And I think, yeah, I think I've learned over the years that you can't have it all now. But because I love training, and you know, I think that sort of that's easy for me. But then. Yeah, I want the results now. I wanted the World Championship win four years ago. You're going to hear someone who is immensely aware of what's going on with themselves, uh, who is great at paying attention to what's happening in their mind as well as their body. One thing I'm actually really good at is maybe not initially believing in myself, but then going in my head and talking myself back into why, why it's the right thing to do. So I'm quite good at that, even though I have these negative thoughts that creep in. I'm quite good at sort of talking myself out of those negative thoughts. And through it all, we just hear the value that she puts on consistency, but not only that, but being kind to herself as well. I think it's really important just to not, yeah, not get carried away. With the highs and the lows, to be fair, like not getting too high or, and not getting too low because it's, it's too extreme. You've got to just stay level and think, right, how, what's the next one? What's the next thing I can do? This week's guest is triathlon world champion, Beth Potter. Yeah, hi, I'm Beth. I'm a professional triathlete competing for Great Britain. I recently won the world championships and I'm probably the most impatient and uh, stubborn person you'll meet. <laughs> oh, we will be testing that out during this conversation. That's wonderful. <laughs> or maybe not testing it out, we'll find out. And Beth, uh, what makes you come alive? Um, I think anything involving exercise um, and something that, 
you know, that I, that can challenge me. So having a race in mind or any form of exercise really makes me come alive. Fabulous. Yeah, that is one of the threads that holds this whole podcast together. So we look, we mm. absolutely love that. Um, so welcome. Uh, you've just uh, come back. Uh, well, you've been a few places, but you've just become World Triathlon Series champion for the first time. Wouldn't be doing our job on this podcast if we didn't say massive, massive congratulations. Ed and I were both watching, actually, he's across the line. Thank you. Um, we're we're going to go right into the cliche and say, just take us back to that moment. What was that like? How did that feel? And all of that. I think it was a really surreal moment. I don't think it's actually sunk in yet. I've, I've been a bit all over the place since getting back from Spain uh, over in the States at another race and then uh, unfortunately had a bit of a fall on my bike so things have been a bit manic but yeah I think it's just a culmination of um, years of putting the work in across swim, bike and run um, and just the constant kind of battle in my head where I was trying to believe in myself um but then probably wasn't fully there and I think just crossing the line it was disbelief that I'd actually done it Mm. and that I'd won this race I'd won the world championships I'd booked my tickets to to Paris next year um and it was kind of everything that I really wanted to do at the end of last season but thought it's such a big ask and to actually you know, get the criteria and get the best part of the criteria as well. Like I didn't just finish on the podium. I, I won the race. Um, it was just, yeah, I don't think it's sunk in. I think it'll, it'll take another couple of weeks to fully, fully be embedded there. But um, just relief, I think, was the main, main emotion. Oh, massive congratulations. How, how, how have things been since then? You said you immediately went to the US and jumped into another race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually yeah, I haven't really celebrated yet because I flew to LA the next morning and then had a race that weekend. Um and then I had a couple of days in LA on my own, just as a, a kind of sort of holiday, but not really. I was still training. Um <laughs> and then flew back, came off my bike <laughs> and so have just been uh kind of nursing some wounds at home in Glasgow. But I yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to, you know, when I come back from holiday um, having a bit of a party. I was actually meant to have a party last weekend, but I was in a so oh, I had to get cancelled. So um, oh, I'm looking forward to celebrating with my coaches and, and my friends and my training partners. And, and uh, yeah, I'll probably do that when I'm back from, from the holiday. Wonderful. And how, how are you feeling about the, um, like having come off your bike and hurt your knee, uh, like, but somewhat sort of at the end of the season, do you feel like it's actually reasonable timing and you can go have a rest or are you like the rest of us that's like, oh, I've got injured and I just want to get straight back into it? Um, where, where are you at mentally at the moment? Yeah. Well, I think I was I was really trying to hold my, hold it all together for one last race. And to be honest with you, I feel like it's a bit of a relief. Mm. Just I can just take the time to recover ahead of next year, you know, don't have to run injured or push myself one last time. It's quite nice to just, you know, I I feel like it's almost meant to be. Mm, Okay. Mm. Yeah. You know, like it was, it's been a long season and I think it's just almost a perfect excuse just to take a rest. Mm. So I'm actually, I'm at peace with it now. I'm at peace with my decision not to race and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to going away and getting some proper rest. (laughs) Wow. 
Um, well, again, massive congratulations from both of us and enjoy the rest. And um, we're really looking forward to seeing what happens next for you. We'll come to that a little bit later, perhaps. But um, take us back a few years because it hasn't been it hasn't been a simple journey for you to get to this point to being a triathlon world champion because you started off as a swimmer and then you were a track athlete. Um, you went to Rio to run the 10K, I think. Um, but I read, I actually read somewhere that you didn't even own a bike when you took up triathlon. Uh, so <laughs> what on earth was it that made you switch um, from the track to, to taking up multi-sport? What were you thinking? <laughs> yeah, <were> wondering? <laughs> probably not a lot. I think, um, so I started off, I, I was a very keen swimmer when I was younger. Um, I used to compete uh, at national events and really, really loved swimming. Like I couldn't get out of the water. I really enjoyed it. And then I was entered in a cross-country race at school and I'd never run before, but I, I won this race. And because I was winning things in running, it seemed more appealing to me. I wasn't necessarily always the best athlete in the pool. You know, I would I would sometimes make the final, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't probably as obviously that I was good at it as I was at running. So I think naturally things just kind of started to switch over to the running and like I would do more of it. I enjoyed it um, because I was getting results. And I used the swimming more as an accessory training in the background just to keep fit because I wasn't doing a lot of uh, run mileage. And everyone always said at the time, I was probably only 14, 15 years old, that, oh, you'd make a really good triathlete if you could ride a bike. And I just, it was always in the back of my head. I just never really, you know, itched that scratch sort of thing. So I am... Um, scratch that itch whatever way it is <laughs> and so I always kind of had it in the back of my head but I went to university at Loughborough um actually spent a lot of time injured there so ironically did a lot of training with the triathlon squad mm. um and then you know obviously made it at my home Commonwealth Games in Glasgow and then made it in Rio and I think Rio was definitely the turning point for me where you know I put so much into that into that training for that performance and I was working full-time as a physics teacher in London at the time. And, you know, these one one day, one race um, sort of events, you, you just can't control what's going to happen. And unfortunately, I got a vomiting bug the night before, oh. was quite unwell at the, at the Rio Olympics and just fell out of love with it. I just didn't want to do it anymore. Um, it was, I don't know, it just didn't excite me anymore. And I had some time off to kind of think about what I wanted to do. And I'd already been in touch with some of the coaches in Leeds about potentially moving over to triathlon. And so long story short, I decided to go up to Leeds in my half term at school. I quit my job before that, tried out, tried out the training, thought, okay, this, this could be for me. I'm going to move to Leeds in January once I've finished at work in December. And yeah, the rest is history, I guess. <laughs> Goodness me. So that's quite an relatively all-in move mm. at that point. So maybe this is sharing some of my personality. Maybe you weren't certain. I don't know. How, what made that feel like a good idea for you? What did you need to know? What did you need to believe at that point? I just needed to do something different. And I kind of, in my head, gave myself two years to sort of see where I was at and if it was if I if it was any glimmer of hope I knew it was probably going to take something like four or five years to 
probably be successful. You know, good things don't happen overnight and I'd never ridden a bike before. So I knew that it was going to take time and I'm not the most patient of people, but I kind of committed and signed up to two years initially. And once, you know, I'd already won the European champs at that stage, I was like, okay, I really need to give this a proper go. And and it it sort of uh, fell in line with when my sister was finishing her medical medical degree in Sheffield. So I thought, well, if it's if I'm not, you know, making a living out of this and successful by the time she's finished her medical degree, then and I I don't think it'll be for me at that stage. So luckily, I got there first. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think yeah, I think I think it's been a different journey to most people. Um, but I've I've learned a lot along the way, and it's you know I've been able to use things from my running you know, my running days and even my teaching days to help me on the journey. And also I think it makes me, it's made me the athlete I am today because it's, it's been testing. It's been, it's not been easy. It's been tough. And I think it's quite easy for people just to throw the towel in when things get a little bit tough. But um, I, I hope it's a testament to how I um, not behave, but I mean, um race on the race course like I hope it, it mm. kind of shows like what kind of person I am um and that I don't I don't quit and I don't give things up easily so I, I like I'd like to have that um sort of um I like people to think that about me you, you said um you said just then I'll come back to the, the journey in a little bit but you said um you were able to use things from your running days but also your teaching days that sounds really interesting to me what 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 kind of things are those uh, well, I guess um, planning is a big thing with teaching. So just being able mm. to, um, you know, have a plan for the season and stick to yeah. it, um, even if other people don't think it's necessarily the right plan, but you do. So I think that's been key. And just um, I think time management's a really, really important one as well. Just, um, you know, you've got three, four sessions to do in a day uh, and there's a lot going on and you need to prioritize a nap. So how, you know, how do you best get in that? Just, just things like that. Or, you know, if I'm, I've got the the dog and I need to take him out for a, a, a walk as well, like how am I going to fit that into my day? So, um, and even things like meal planning, like it's, there's a lot of training and you're often tired. So mm-hmm. just making sure you have stuff ready to eat as soon as you come in the door. Um, I think a resilience as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's tough being a secondary school teacher and, mm. you know, like, kids aren't the easiest to deal with sometimes. And you just... I wondered when you were going to mention the kids. That yeah. had to be part of this, right? Um, and just trying to hold it together. Yeah, just trying to hold it together and, and not get upset if someone said something to you that that could mm. hurt you, you know, trying to brush it off, like water off a duck's back. Um, and I think... Yeah, well, I think those are the three main mm. learnings, really, that teachings help me. And yeah, mm. there'll be people, well, potentially people from the Teach First program and other things, going, "This is it. This is Beth. This is exactly it. this is why people should teach before they go and do other stuff. It teaches well, you think, amazing things." I think there's a lot of cross curricular stuff as well. Like, you no, know, lots of stuff carry over. You know that you can take into uh, my running, and my running takes over to my triathlon and or my teaching. You know, I think those are like really valuable life lessons that that were um you know that I learned through through running really um 
and that's you know put me in good stead for hopefully the rest of my life yeah Beth you said something just before we started recording that I that that kind of shocked me which is you there were people sort of in your environment who sort of indicated to you or maybe even said directly to you oh I don't think you'll make it like this is this is either too tough or this might be hard or you picked that those sort of messages up from the environment did did people kind of say to you like you're you're crazy this isn't going to work or and, and if they did what on earth do you do with that sort of I think stuff I know I think well first of all I think they were like a core group of people that you know that encouraged me to come to Leeds and you know they've backed me from day one so I think they are also mm. really important and their opinions and their belief in me has kept me going um and you know some of these people are my coaches some are my training partners who are now very very close friends so I think yeah they try not to take away from the negative but I always tend to cling cling to the negative so there are there were a lot of positive people mainly in in my corner who I'm still working with today and are a great team of people but yeah I think those negative voices uh, used to creep in just from you know people who I I wasn't that close with or um who felt like their opinion was important to me you know um but I think the key thing is to try even if you you can't fully believe in yourself is to try and back yourself and I always find getting a piece of paper and a pen and just writing down the kind of pros and cons and and seeing it there out out in a bit of paper actually helps me um and just always one thing I'm actually really good at is maybe not initially believing in myself but then going in my head and talking myself back into Mm. why why it's the right thing to do so I'm quite good at that even though I have these negative th- thoughts that creep in, I'm quite good at sort of talking myself out of those negative thoughts. Yeah. And yeah. it's weird. Like I, I've worked on it a lot with um, my psychologist, Stacey. So it's, yeah, it's something that's been a work in progress for years, but I think I actually am quite good at then talking myself back into being positive. <laughs> mm. What was it like uh, to, what were the biggest challenges uh, to making that that switch um, from the track to triathlon? I think one thing was I wasn't, I didn't have an income. I didn't have any sponsors at the time. I'd obviously mm. just left a job at teaching. Um, so I think the kind of the constant worry of having no money, that was quite stressful. Um, ju- yeah, just because, you know, getting to races was difficult and equipment was difficult you know it's triathlon's not the, it's an expensive sport the cheapest yeah. sport <laughs> it is, it is. Yep. so having <laughs> like yeah yeah yep. and I think for my first two seasons I actually raced on my training wheels because I didn't have enough money to buy them mm. and no one no one gave me any so yeah it was difficult and yeah I think you know when I first obviously I left a comfort zone where I was good at running I I knew what the training was I had a job to go to and wake up every day and then I came to triathlon and I hadn't swum for eight years. I'd never ridden a bike. And then every time I went to run, I was so tired from doing the swimming and the the biking that my running kind of suffered because I couldn't run the same times as I was running on the track because I was really tired. So I think that was really difficult, you know, turning up to training all the time. And, you know, I went into an Olympic performance squad and I'd never done a triathlon before. So it was 
it was very difficult. And I was race, I was training with all these guys that, you know, had won junior champs and were moving up to senior level or, you know, world champions, Olympic medalists. So, yeah, I think um, that was really, sorry about that. Um, that was really difficult to, um, to sort of come to terms with that I, you know, I wasn't very good at swimming. I was getting lapped in the pool. I was getting dropped on the bike and then I couldn't even keep up, up on the run. So it was just really hard and I found it really demoralizing, mm. to be honest, all the time. Like there was nothing I was good at. Yeah. So how did you have the self-belief? Because you you had just, like you'd left, you know, being high performance in your running and you'd quit your job. Uh, yeah. but And you suddenly found yourself thrown into the deep end as it were <laughs> and not very good at it <laughs> i know i know i was living with johnny brownlee as well at the time sure sure of course yeah, he very very nicely picked me up so that was that was really good but i was you know sitting watching him go out for more training and i was like how mm. how how are you doing more training today you've you've done like three years in the bike why why are we doing more training so i just uh, it was a it was eye-opening mm. to see like how hard he trained and what what it was going to take. I just was like, I'm never going to get there. Mm. I can't even do I can't even do five swims at the moment because I get to Thursday and I have no arms left. <laughs> um, it was just so tough, and yeah, I just I never thought I'd get there, and it just it just took time, mm. and I can do it now, <laughs> and I don't find it that hard. It just takes time. And now, now I'm telling training partners, you just need another winter. Mm. You'll be fine. You just, need to, you just need to get your head down. You'll just need one more winter. Um, it's going to be tough, but you just need to get out in the bike and do another three-year ride. And I was like, I couldn't do that. <laughs> so. And, but, so what what was the fuel that you were running on, though, in that period? Something was fueling that. And what, I mean, what was it? I just, I like challenging myself. I like setting new targets and for me, because I was a novice in triathlon, you know, I could see big improvements every week. I mean, even every day. Mm. So it was, it, it was exciting for me because I could take, and I, I, I'm even excited about next season because, you know, I know my biking is going to get better. So mm. like, as long as I put the work in and do what I've been doing, I know mm. I'll be stronger next year and I'll be able to run off that bike better and I'll be quicker and I'll be faster. So that's for me exciting um you know as long as I stay in one piece but uh yeah I think part of it was just you know getting getting better all the time and challenging my challenging myself at something I'd never done before um yeah and I, it was just a new it was just it was just a breath of fresh air to be honest when I needed something else to focus on yeah and um by the way, there'll be people listening to this who are like starting a new job or going into a new field or, or whatever. And I'm, I'm, I'm just hearing what you're saying about recognizing the wins as they come along and just mm. doing this thing that's personally meaningful for you and just taking the fuel from that. So that I'm, lo I'm absolutely loving that. And you talked about learning along the way. And I'm really curious to know, is there something you, is it, have you surprised yourself? Is there something you've learned about yourself where you kind of stood back and gone, I didn't know that was me or I didn't know I was maybe not necessarily physically capable of that but wow have you have you sort of looked back at like a different version of you and go ah oh, yeah know I was um well one thing yeah. one thing I've really been working on this last year 
and I've put probably as much, okay, not as much time into it, but I've definitely invested money and time into this this year is, um, you know, psychology. And yeah. um, I've always worked as a psychologist in London, um, but I just needed someone a bit closer to home uh, just while mm. I was up here and I was going through a bit of a tough time um, after the season last year. And I obviously knew that this was a really big year and I just didn't want to leave, you know, anything to chance. And I wanted to be, well, you know, if I if I worked on this side of this this side of sport, um, like the mental side, and mm. say that it didn't work. Well, I, 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 I tried it. You know, I really yeah. I really committed to it this this winter. Um and I'm so glad I did. And I I don't think it's all because of that, but I think this the psychology has been such a big part of it for me um and so many people have come up to me and maybe not necessarily known that I've been doing it because I did keep it quite uh quiet for a while um but they you know the first thing they said to me at the start of season was you seem like a different person you seem you have this um you seem a lot more positive and um you seem like a different athlete mm-hmm. and yeah I, I I can do the I can do the training all day I'm I'm really good at that but to then like go into this other part and try the yeah like I had a weakness at it so it was something I needed to get better at and not a, not a huge weakness but you know I think I was probably on rung seven of the ten rung ladder and I needed to get to that I needed to get from you know getting on the podium to actually having a winning mentality and going into races and not settling for bronze mm. but going into races and being like well. I'm going for the gold, so you need to try mm. and beat me. So, and I think I really brought mm. that this year, um, and just some of the techniques that I learned from that. Uh, yeah, again, it's it's crossed over into like my, my personal life as well. Like, well, I'm trying to, but <laughs> 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 I can't always control how stressed I get around races. But <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I think I think it's really helped me, and it's definitely something. I'm I'm glad that I went down that route this year. Yeah, yeah. And so you 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 had a you know a day job as a as a teacher for a while. Now knowing what you now know about, if I sort of say your mind and your mental approach and the psychology of it, if you could offer what you've something that you've learned from the psychology to people who are maybe in a you know like a teaching job or a, 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 any job out there. What's maybe the one thing that you think could you could offer to people who are not at performing at an elite sports level but are trying to succeed in their field? What's the one thing you would say, do this, or this has really worked for me? I think one thing I was never very good good at was sort of being like kind to myself. Or, you know, I'd punish myself if I didn't do well in a race. And actually a classic example was after calorie world series this summer and it was just off well it was three months after i won in abu dhabi and there was this like block of racing where there was nothing on and you know i trained really hard in that period and then i happened to get injured at probably a month out of calorie and you know i offloaded i didn't run i did lots of swimming lots of biking because luckily that's good cross training in my <laughs> in my sport and then went to calorie and got really flustered in the race and ended up 
just making really silly mistakes throughout the race. And I finished six in the end. And honestly, I beat myself up for about three weeks after that race. And I, and now when I look back on the season, now when I go up into my helicopter and look back in the season as a whole, I'm like, it wasn't even that bad. Mm. Like, <laughs> my my worst race of the season was six. Mm. And it was because I, didn't, I had done no running. Mm. And I just got myself into a complete state and threw the race away. And I actually had one of the fastest run splits. I just made a mistake on the swim, which cost me the rest of the race, and I didn't stay calm about it. So I think, yeah, just be kind to yourself. And but I think with that, um, like also while you're being kind to yourself, don't lose belief in yourself as well. Like you got to, you got to, you got to be consistent with it and put it into perspective. And I think, yeah, I think I learned a big lesson after that race and took it into my next race where I where I won so I think it's I think it's really important just to not yeah not get carried away with the highs and the lows to be fair like not getting too high or and not getting too low because it's it's too extreme mm-hmm. you've got to just stay level and think right how what's the next one what's the next thing I can do or what's the next race I can target I'm hearing you come across as you know, very sort of grounded. There's a lot of grit. Uh, we've talked about toughness as well. Um, and then there's this kind of mental piece that you've opened up and explored a little bit uh, this year. Do you, in terms of values, do you do you have a set of values that kind of guide the way that you are? Or do you have a kind of like rule of life, as, as it were, in, in the way that you approach, approach things? Um, I don't know if I've got... A a rule of life so to say but I definitely you know I've I've got things like values for sure like I um you know I value consistency in training because that definitely helps with consistency in races Mm. so just making sure you even on bad days just turning up doing the session as best as you can and and going home because you're not going to have you're definitely going to have races where you don't feel great I've had races where I didn't feel great but what's got me through is the fact that I've had consistent training and I've done it in training when I knew I couldn't, well, I've done it in training when I knew that I was struggling and I could do it. Mm. So having, yeah, consistency is definitely a very key value of mine. Um, I think, um, I don't actually know. I think that's the main one for me. I can't think of any other ones that, I think actually motivation fluctuates throughout the year so making sure that you're disciplined is really key and you know whether that's arranging rides or runs or swims with other people to help you because I don't always you know I I often wake up and don't feel that motivated but what gets me through is that right my squad are waiting for me at the pool I know when I get there I'll feel in a better mood and usually I do and 99.9 percent of the time I feel better after exercise. Like I don't think there's, yeah. you know, so so having that um, discipline is definitely key. Um, yeah, I think those are the two two main ones for me: consistency and discipline. Yeah, and can I just take you back to um, what bit of the intro where you said you're impatient, and I'm just really curious because almost well, not everything, but. Like there's a really strong message about like being meticulous and consistent and putting the work in and 
knowing that it's going to take time and get, and and sounds like patience. Staying with all of that, which <laughs> takes well, Ed. That's what yeah. I was, I'm like. So Beth, what's going on with this impatience thing? Is that maybe that's just not, I don't want to pick over the words, but what's going I, on there? I don't. I love training. Like I, I could train all day long. I love it. I, I probably love it more than I love racing. Mm. I just, I just love it. I've always have. It used to be what my parents would punish me if I was naughty. I would get punished from training. Um, so like, I, I love it. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think I've learned over the years that you can't have it all now. But because I love training and, you know, I think that sort of, that's easy for me. But then, yeah, I want the results now. I wanted the World Championship win four years ago. Mm. Yeah, okay. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I wanted that to happen ages ago. I wanted my first World Series win to happen in 2018. Okay. But I've had to be patient. I had no choice. Yeah. So uh, it's about learning that. And I still am impatient. Like, yeah. I I wanted to go on holiday on Monday. I have to wait till Thursday. <laughs> like, that's annoying for me. Love I lasted it. two days not riding my bike after my <laughs> knee was hanging open. Like, that. I'm very impatient, but I think I've had to learn the hard way that it doesn't always, and I've learned that through the many injuries I've had and, you know, times where I've been ill and I've not been able to train. Like, I've learned that the hard way, but I'm definitely better. And it's such a shame that it's taken me, what, 31 years to get there. (laughs) That's how it goes, though, isn't it? Yeah. So talking about waiting for things, it's nine months to wait till the Olympics. Um, mm. how are you viewing that now? You're ranked number one in the world. You're the world champion. Does that mean you're the favourite? Uh, you mentioned you're going to be better. Your bike is going to be better next year. So, uh. <laughs> I, I think, I think it's a good thing. I think, you know, um, Alistair said to me um, just before, just after Paris, but before Pontevedra. He said, "You need to go to Pa. Uh, you need to go to Pontevedra and win the race, win the world championships, book yourself for the Olympics, and then just make sure everyone's scared of you for next year." And I was like, "Okay, <laughs> <laughs> easier said than done, but okay." <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, and I think, yeah, I think I will be obviously one of the favourites to win, but so will Cassandra, so will mm-hmm. uh, Flora if she's back. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I think it's a huge privilege to be in that position. And I've worked really, really hard to get here. So, yeah, I'm going to wear the number one for as long as I can, and hopefully. But I think, yeah, there's, I am excited, but I'm also trying to have a bit of off time from thinking too far ahead. Because if I start thinking about Paris now, I'm going to run out of steam in May. Sure. Yeah. So um, yeah. the priority just now is to, yeah, just rest and recover and, and absorb the the season that I've just had, and and then once I'm back from holiday, I'm gonna sit down with my coaches and we're, we'll plan out the season. And I think by that point, hopefully, I'll be crawling up the walls to do something. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I'm hearing that paradox of like you'd love to do it right now, I'd love to get get going, but you you know you're gonna be patient, even though you don't think you're patient. You're gonna be patient. You're gonna plan it. You're gonna do the right thing. Well, I think wow. I just need to have. I think I just need all the mental energy to focus on that so you know where do I use it do I use it now and burn it all up or do I just save it until you know July when I need to be you know need to be on it 
then. So I think, yeah, I'll use all my, you know, obviously I'll train hard this winter like I, like I always do and with, with the Olympics in mind, for sure. But I don't want to think too far ahead yet, obviously, because I've got, I'll have other races before that. And at the end of the day, I'm going to treat it as another race because, you know, that's how I treated all my races this year. Yeah, some of them had more importance than others, but I'm racing the same people and I don't, like, if I think of it that way, then it, it definitely takes a lot of stress of it out for me. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Well, thank you so much for sharing the journey. There's so much more that we could have talked about as well. You've had so many um, adventures on the road and on the track and other things, but it's it's been, for me, been super incredible just getting a bit of an insight into how you've gone about making a transition from one incredible thing to another incredible thing. It's been amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and I hope you have a great holiday and relax and come back hungry, and we're really looking forward yeah. to what happens next year. And best of luck for that. Yeah. And Beth, Thank is you. it? Is there anything um, that you would love uh, to highlight for people? Any because um, you're a sponsored athlete, you've got um, I'm sure other stuff going on in your life. Where can people, other than the, the the main mass media and the sports media, where can people go to find out more about you or your partners or anything like that? Um, yeah, I'm on all forms of social media. Um, I'm also uh, working a bit with a. Uh, um, an app called Runner that's um, really up and coming for people who want to have plans, you know, that maybe don't join a running club or um, they just don't have the time to do it. So there's like a, an app that you can sign up to and uh, you get your own personalized plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, yeah, so I'm actually one of the coaches there and it's, it's a really, really cool company to work for, to work with. So yeah, I'm, jo- I'm really enjoying that. Brilliant. And that's called Runner? Are you N N A? Yeah, so it's um yeah, it's really grown this year, and um I feel so privileged to be on board with them. Awesome, wonderful. Thank you so much. Rest well. Heal up on the knee. We'll be pulling for you, and um, everyone in the Run Alive community will be um in your corner as we head towards next year. Best of luck. Cool. Thank you very much. Thanks. Gary, I'm buzzing after that. Uh, yeah. What a privilege to talk to a, an actual real-life world champion and a recently crowned one as well. Yeah, um, a privilege. I'm actually proud um, of her. Um, yeah. She's a Brit <laughs> on top on, of Beth. the world. Come on, I know, I know. Um, on top of the world. And, uh, and also you've got to sort of feel proud, especially because of that journey that she has been on. Boy, oh, boy, um, what a transition where she was yeah. where she's oh is now and she's still going but wow but i also really loved how kind of thoughtful and considered she was about the whole thing like you know it wasn't just that she was kind of an automaton that just trains and trains and trains and this is how she succeeds although she did say she really loves training which must yeah. help um, although yeah. actually she said there were there were plenty of times where she doesn't feel motivated to do it despite loving it which i think is probably a lesson for for all of us for everyone. Yeah. um but uh, she's, you know, there's much more depth to it than that. She's really yeah. thought about it and she's got those tools in her toolbox to help her build that belief and to go against that negative talk and to really help her succeed when it matters. Yeah, completely agree. We probably shouldn't be um, surprised at kind of her breadth of thinking and her depth of thinking she was a physics teacher so mm-hmm. you know I don't know I don't know how you found physics at school I did all right but it's like um it's pretty challenging so there's there's you know being honest there's a 
clearly an amazingly talented athlete there, but also someone with a real depth of intellect and um, mm. massive self-awareness and, and an ability to harness all those things and churn out um, absolutely top-of-the-world performances. Um, she's very, very good. And as you say, very tooled up with how she does that, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, and perfectly primed for the olympics next year yeah oh i'm excited yeah. it's like nine months away but can it can can, can it come quickly please it was it, so that paradox right of like i mean she probably doesn't want it next week because uh you know coming off the bike and and she needs um some time to rebuild but that paradox of like she'd love to just get on with it and do it mm. um, um but she knows she needs some rest and recovery time and that she's going to get better scary scary for everyone else yeah. um i was also stunned about that because it's Paris is going to be huge and just it was a privilege as well to hear her talk about how she's mentally framing that at the moment she can't go there she can't burn the energy mentally on that she'll be all done by May when you know it's not not until well into the summer um what an amazing insight into how you go about peaking for not just an athletic massive performance but anything in your life right managing yourself towards that big peak is it's a thing it's a big thing and what a privilege to hear that yeah totally um so in terms of thinking about the tools and the learnings mm. that we can um, draw from that, uh, from her this, this week, oh. you know, it seems like there was a lot, like loads of transferable skills from her yep. physics time, also her running time and vice yep. versa. Um, but the thing that struck us, I think, was around this kind of um, ability to interrupt the thinking and change mm. those negative dialogues into positive ones. Um, yeah, yeah. Absolutely well, right. How can we how can we do that in practice um, to- for totally. us normal humans? Completely. I mean, we could. You're right. By the way, we could have picked so many different things that she offered. But the th- the thing that foregrounded for us was that um, we're all we can all be prone to maybe going down the the darker alley. You know, going into maybe a little bit of a negative spiral. Those were not Beth's words. What I heard really clearly is she's very good at interrupting that and offering herself genuine evidence to build her positive beliefs looking back on previous experiences appreciating her strengths and qualities just offering herself that more kind of rational view which everybody can can need because sometimes the sort of the the more negative spiral isn't the truth and it isn't that that kind of the, the, the rational true version and i heard she was very good at that so that's what we'd like to offer people this week can you think of a maybe a place where you get stuck in a bit of a negative spiral can you do the best thing Stand back, get on the balcony, offer yourself your positive thoughts, put, pull yourself out of it and accept that as a, the more kind of real and realistic truth. And Ed, you, um, I know, have a few races coming up and you've got, <laughs> you've got um, a certain patch in a race coming up that I think might be more challenging for you than, than, than maybe most average bits of running. Well, um, I mean, it's going to sound a bit pathetic, really. But um, actually, just as you were thinking, you were talking mm. about that, I was thinking I, can, I do have a tendency, not just in my running, but in life in general, to be my own worst critic. Mm. Um, and so actually, it's not just what we're going to talk about that I need to apply this to, but maybe a few other times in my life too. But yes, mm. I've got the Kingston Half Marathon coming up on Sunday. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm going to say a PB attempt. Um, so I'm committing to it live on the podcast. Um, 
Yeah, there's a stretch of that race, of that race, which I'm really, I'm not looking forward to very much. Um, and like I said, it's going to sound a bit pathetic because it's actually a lovely flat towpath. But you know, <laughs> I've had a bad experience or two on that towpath before in my life, and it just comes at that section of the half marathon where you really need to dig in, like the six to ten miles kind of thing, where you can't really see the end and you're not really halfway through yet. <laughs> um, so yeah, just. How practically wise, give us an example of how, how can I prepare myself for that and interrupt that negative cycle of, of dread that is already totally. in the back of my mind four days beforehand? Well, look, what I would offer you, two things I'll offer you. Number one, what you said, this is this is a metaphor for life as well. So <laughs> applying it here, you get it has a halo effect elsewhere. But I think the offer that, I'm, that, that I would give you based on the conversation with Beth is take a moment. Think of all of the things that are great about that part of the world, say the physical environment. Think of your strengths as an individual that you know you've got that you can bring to bear there. Think of other times when you face something similar where it's gone well or gone brilliantly or certainly hasn't been a disaster. Maybe practice a bit of kind of pre-gratitude for what that could look like and just assemble that evidence base, present it back to yourself and uh, draw the conclusion that you need to from that because it, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident it won't be a negative conclusion. And um, yeah, this will probably air after you've done the Kingston half. So we'll all be looking to see how it went, mate. <laughs> yeah, check out my power of 10, you'll find out. Excellent. Awesome. Thank you, Gary. I will, yes, I'll put some effort in the next few days to to prepare myself for it and i'll, I'll report cool. back excellent this has been a pleasure this has been very good what a great guest what a great way to start yeah really excited for this the rest of the series um you can follow us on social media uh, at run underscore alive on instagram the run alive podcast on uh, linkedin and we now have a twitter account as well so uh r at run alive pod on twitter um of course is our website and you can um, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss uh another episode we have some incredible guests coming up this series next week we have a uh, front bench mp um so i cannot wait to share that with you thanks a lot ed looking forward to it take care see you soon to do all again mm -hmm.